Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 51. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Today on the show, we have someone who's a little bit different. Uh, he runs a different kind of company. Sasha Orloff is the CEO and co-founder of LendUp. Now, LendUp are a short-term lender, what are called sometimes payday lenders, but they are doing something very different to most payday lenders. They are focused very much on a win-win for the borrower and the lender. They want to be able to help these people who have an emergency need or short-term need to help them build their credit and not sort of send them down into a debt spiral that really doesn't help anybody. And they're a fascinating company. They obviously are tackling a challenging sector of the market, but they're doing so successfully and it's a fascinating story. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Sasha. Thanks. Great to be here. Okay. So let's just get started by giving the listeners some of the background about yourself and, uh, and how your background kind of led you to start LendUp. All right. Well, I'll tell you the slightly longer version because I think it's it's a little more fun. Okay. Uh, so LendUp really came about out of years and years and years of frustration at most of my jobs involving financial services or financial technology. So I've worked at Citibank, the World Bank, the Grameen Bank, who won the Nobel Peace Prize, whose founder won the Nobel Peace Prize, worked for some startups, one that was bought by AT&T, for some transaction processing capabilities, one that was bought by Intuit, for some bill payment capabilities. And all of my life, I would come home and I would complain around Thanksgiving that I was always struggling to do as good a job as I could in my various sort of financial services roles. And my younger brother was at home, and he's been a software developer his whole life. And he comes home, and he every time I'm complaining, he goes, oh, you have a software problem. So I was at Citigroup, and I would say, I can't evaluate all this data I want to to make effective lending decisions. And Jake would say, oh, that's a software problem. And then I would go over to the finance team and I would say, <laughs> I can't combine all of these pro- I can't combine all these data sets together and do some really accurate forecasting. He's like, oh, that's you have a software problem. And then I would go, well, I can't test all these marketing messages and conversion and funnel analytics. He's like, oh, you have a software problem. And so after years and years of complaining, uh, he said, why don't we just build better software for the banking world? And so to give you a little context about Jake, the other co-founder and my uh, younger brother. He started Yahoo when he was 16 years old as the 80th employee as a developer. He worked there for quite a long time rebuilding search, video, photos, classifieds, auctions, etc. He was 29. He was recruited out to work on Zynga to build them a centralized infrastructure team and became CTO of Platform at Zynga. And so sort of qualified, but you know, it's always hard to listen to your younger brother. Right. So the, the long-winded answer is um, I kept complaining that I, I had a software problem to do everything that I wanted to do in financial services, especially in consumer lending. And so uh, one day we were down in South Park in San Francisco, and he said, why don't we just do something about it? And then a light went off, and, and then so we started LendUp. Okay, and it sounds like before that you'd, you'd spent some time. Why don't you tell everybody, I, I, I saw a video of you one time talking about was it in Mexico or Honduras? Where were you that you spent? You spent several. You went down for a short time. You ended up extending for years. Yeah. So uh, I, I was working for a, a fintech startup here in the late '90s in the Bay Area, and I read a book called Banker to the Poor, written by a guy named Muhammad Yunus, who founded the Grameen Bank in Bangladesh and pioneered this idea of microcredit, sort of helping poor people in rural areas start businesses so that they could feed their families. And it was so inspiring, almost 
almost like too good to be true mm-hmm. that they would have a 98.5% repayment rate after billions of dollars lent. And so I wanted to get involved. It was just, it, it moved me to the point that I'd give everybody, all our new hires, that book still to this day uh, here at LendUp. And so I called up and, and got a hold of the Grameen Foundation in DC, which was tasked with replicating Grameen around the world. And they were starting a technology company. They wanted to build open source software, so free software, to give away to banks around the world to start microcredit banks, small loans to poor people in rural areas. And they said, well, you want to move to Honduras uh, and, and you can go for a six-month internship. Uh, and I said, sure, w- where's Honduras? Uh, so it's, in, it's, in, it's in Central America. Uh, it's a great, I grew up uh, I'm part of my life by the border of Mexico and I learned some degree of Spanish or so I thought. So I moved to Honduras and stayed there for what was supposed to be six months. I ended up staying for almost three years uh, creating training programs for these small banks, most of them nonprofits, all throughout Southern Mexico, Central America, South America. And we were giving away free software and actually giving them loan capital to try this idea of microcredit as an anti-poverty alleviation tool. And it was like just mind-blowing inspiring, which is why I stayed down there for so long. Right. So that, that's, a, that's an interesting background to what you're, what you're doing now, I, I guess. It, you know, and I can, I can hear that you, you're very passionate about it. So why don't you just why don't we segue now into explaining what LendUp does and what you, you know, what you saw that was broken that that made you decide to start it? Yeah. So when I was prior to starting LendUp, I I was a fintech investor, a venture capitalist, and I was looking at all of this themes that were changing in the United States. And I, I wasn't really seeing enough companies doing and bringing technology and better financial services to the underserved markets as much as I wanted to, especially around credit. So we started LendUp. And the concept of LendUp is we are using modern day technology focused on a mobile phone for access and reach to create safe credit products for people that banks and credit unions won't approve or can't approve for whatever reason. And so the entire concept is to deliver access to credit. We believe access to credit is incredibly important and incredibly powerful. Do it in a very safe and transparent way, directly over a mobile phone, as fast as possible, embedding education into the product so that we're teaching people about how credit scores work, savings, budgeting, how their behavior affects their uh, life, and providing them the opportunity to build credit. And one of our missions as a company is to try and improve everybody's credit score. And the reason is, when I was at City, we funded a study from the Aspen Institute. And what we showed, uh, predominantly with a, a wonderful nonprofit named Justine Peterson in St. Louis, was that the average family will pay $250,000 more over the course of their life because they have a low FICO score. Wow. This will affect their borrowing costs for credit, insurance, jobs, their apartment. And it was actually faster to preserve more household wealth and families by helping somebody raise their FICO score as opposed to trying to get them a raise at their job if they worked for minimum wage. And that just between my work at Grameen and the study with Aspen Institute and Justine Peterson was just, it made me think we have to create better financial opportunities for the people that banks won't deal with to help them raise their FICO score so they can then get access to the traditional banking products 
that that can help them get get ahead in life. So, so then, who are we talking about exactly? Are we talking about you know immigrants? Are we talking about people who you know, have gone through a bankruptcy or just someone who is very not very financially savvy? I mean, can you give us? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not just one profile, but can right. you give us an example of some of the kinds of of borrowers who come to lend up? Yeah. So the biggest misconception is that payday lending uh, or short-term lending or subprime cards are, are these immigrants that come over. And, and this, this is could be further from the truth. It is the average working class American person. Our profile and demographic fits into usually two main categories. One of the 26 million people in the United States who have zero credit history. And because they just don't happen to have any credit reporting relationships on the major credit bureaus, they have no FICO score and they have no traditional credit score, so they can't get access. So that's one bucket, what we call no file or thin file people. And these are just people that have worked in cash most of their life or young people that are just starting off in life. Um, And then the second main category are people that have low FICO scores. So they've had access to credit and they've had some incidents in the past uh, and they just simply uh, are either had a bankruptcy, had a medical emergency, something that set it over the edge, or people that just abused credit the wrong way, have declared bankruptcy, had some write-offs in the past. So their FICO scores are below 680, which is typically the lowest that most banks will go, which is over half of the United States today. So the average is it's actually the, the highest predominant demographic is a working class mother working one to two jobs with two children and uh, has a low FICO score or no FICO score at all. Okay, that makes sense. So then, so explain your offering a little bit. So, I mean, you are, these really are microcredit loans. I mean, you're not talking about thousands of dollars here. You know, what is, what is your offering? What's the loan terms? What's uh, the, the dollar volume typically that people take? Yeah, so the, every state has their own specific laws. But on average, across the United States, the average first-time loan is around $200 for about a month. Mm-hmm. We allow people to borrow between $100 and $1,000 for between a week and a year. And one of the things we do differently is we give the borrower the choice. So whatever the law allows, we give them the ability to pay in as many payments as they want, borrow exactly the amount they need. They can choose their repayment date uh, or they can choose their first repayment date and split it into multiple payments. Uh, And so what we tried to use, use technology to build a safe, transparent experience in which the borrower controls controls the entire experience. Right. Okay. Then so... So how do you find these people if I mean if they're if they've got a thin file you're not kind of obviously you've got a, you've got channels but we could explain exactly how how someone's going to find out about lendup. Right. Well this is one of the main challenges of a emergency sure. credit business yeah. is how do you find somebody that is kind of off the record they don't have a major bureau file and they have an emergency and you have to be top of mind in that moment that they have an emergency and need money so that it's to fix their car or to pay their utility bill or their phone bill so their phone doesn't get disconnected. And that's, that's a challenge, right? It's not as easy as refinancing existing loans, which are mm-hmm. on the bureau. So you can just, you're competing on price. 
send a, a mail piece out or something to somebody who has existing credit to refinance them. And that's you know one of the things I, I almost get jealous about about the lending clubs in the so right, the world right. is you're refinancing people's debt. But it, it's kind of easy to find. Um, so our, ours is a little bit different. You know, frankly, one of the biggest channels we have is word of mouth. And when you create our product is just better than the competitors in every way. It's cheaper, it's faster, it's more convenient. It provides the opportunity to build credit, and we're very flexible because the same technology we custom built for our own product we expose to the user. So we let them do everything they want. We don't. There's no debt traps, so there's no way to get in trouble with our products. Mm-hmm. It turns out if you're just better. With in a population that has very few options, they tell their friends about it, and we see this really interesting thing where once we somebody finds us in a neighborhood, if you do this like time series over a map, you can just see it kind of spreading, wow. uh, which is which has been great, uh, and it, it, it sort of reinforces that a really good product that actually focuses on solving the customer's needs can win. But we also do all the traditional stuff: TV, radio, mail, online advertising, stuff like that. Right. Okay. Okay. So then I, I want to talk about, you, you mentioned different states have different rules. And I mean, we all, I mean, we know about the usury caps. You know, the, you know the, if any kind of short-term loan, you know, APR is kind of, it's not a very good uh, measure because you might only be paying $20 in interest, but your APR is you know, over 100%. So how, what are the laws that govern short-term lending? Are they, they they seem to be they must be different, I imagine, from the rest of um, lending. Yes, there's two different types of uh, of laws uh, traditionally in, in most states, well, at least in 35 states. Um, and the first one is the general state usury law for an unsecured or a secured long-term loan. Um, and each state has those measures. And 35 and all 50 states have those. 35 states allow some form of short-term loan. And it's not considered an APR usury fee because it is a fixed fee associated with it. And because it's a short-term loan, what happens is it's a fixed fee. So in California, the maximum is 15% of the face dollar value of a, of a check. Okay. And so when you multiply out a two-week or a one-month loan times either 24, uh, 12 or 24, the APR looks really high. But it's not part of the usury laws because it's actually a fixed fee so it's a fee-based product mm-hmm. um, in most states. And the fee is defined um, outside of the usury law because it, it's a fixed fee for a short term, not a, an annualized loan uh, that would have an APR associated with it uh, for a usury cap. Right. Right. So then and just on that point, what – I mean, obviously, you, you've probably heard this argument so many times, but I just would like to hear your response man, when people say – that you know your you know the APRs are you know you go onto your website and you actually display the APRs which is nice and the you know oftentimes they're you know they're over 100 200 even 300 percent so what is your response to people who say that's that's too high yeah so the first thing is because it's a short-term loan almost all of our customers and I know this because we survey them and we survey other people's customers what they care about is the dollar amount they're managing their short-term cash flow and so but but a good way to compare different types of structures together, if you can, is to look at APRs. So we display both right on our homepage. And mm-hmm. it's not hidden. It's actually, you can see it. You don't have to enter in any personal information. And that's just part of our value of transparency. So while none of our customers, which we surveyed, have ever been able to tell us what an APR stands for or what an APR formula is, they understand dollars and cents. Uh, but we put them on there. So listen, 
it is an expensive form of credit. It's because we are dealing with high-risk people that no bank would ever work with. We carefully underwrite each consumer, but we're concerned with the false negatives as much as the false positives. So what's important here is to have a transparent product. So however people want to think about it, they can see it in the form that works for them. Mm -hmm. That's why we have dollar amounts larger because that's what people care about most, but we put APRs there. The most important thing about what we do differently is we don't let that turn into multiple loans with rollovers and refinancings. So what you see in that dollar amount is what you get when you pay for it. We don't have any of these weird tricks where people can end up paying more in interest and principle, more in interest or fees than they can in principle. That's the difference. So what we're showing you is the maximum price, not the minimum price, right. which is sort of the most traditional thing. And then for people that need to borrow again and again, they move up our product, which is called the Lend Up Ladder, automatically go down. If they were to get that same structured loan again and again and again, and they did that for a full year at a competitor, that would actually be an APR because it would be a full year where our interest rates automatically go down over time for borrowers that pay on time, take our credit education, stuff like that. Okay, so what about the borrowers that can't pay on time or you know, that they, they thought they'd be able to, but something else came up and at the end of the, the month, they, they just don't have the money? What's, what's your, what do you do then? Yeah, so this is one of the key differences in showing the maximum price as opposed to a minimum price. That's it. That's all the borrower pays. If they can't get to the, make their payment on time, then we call them up or they log in and they see the ability to break it into as many payments as they want to fit within the budget that they can afford. So if they can't pay the full amount, they can split it into two payments or they can split into three payments. They can do that alongside our customer service. They can do that by themselves by logging into the website. They can pay via cash, via check, via debit card, uh, via prepaid card, via their bank account. So we give everybody as much flexibility to do exactly what they need to be successful. And part of this is to train people about the responsibility of making on-time payments because that's the largest factor in somebody's FICO score. So our entry-level loan is like training wheels, but it's just very safe because we've structured our product so we only make money when somebody pays us back, not when they get into trouble. So we don't make any more money, no accruing interest, no rollover fees. That's it. What you see is what you pay in as many times as you need. Okay. Okay. So, so then how do you decide? Obviously, I imagine not everybody gets a loan uh, or do they? I mean, that's the question. How do you decide what's your underwriting pro process? And let, let's start off with there. I want to talk about your payment rate, uh, default rates as well, but let's just talk about your underwriting process. So what we do is we look at minor credit bureaus, small specialty bureaus that look at payment records on uh, cell phones, on utility bills, on rental payments, on, on uh, w whatever we can find that shows a steady positive history of repayment behavior. And so we underwrite those people by using different data. And people that have a bad credit score, we can supplement it with other data. But really what we do is instead of just looking at a 10 to 15 variable list, we just use the entire data set. And this is there's a lot more value in there. So for instance, when we were at the bank, uh, when I was underwriting at the bank, if somebody had a bankruptcy, they were basically locked out for seven years. Well, bankruptcy isn't always necessarily a bad thing. If you had a bankruptcy because you were using credit the wrong way and you were just maxing out lines and borrowing more and more and more, that's a different 
than somebody that had a foreclosure on their home or somebody that had a medical emergency. And so by not just taking one binary variable and making that a yes or a no, but using that as a factor in a long list of decision criteria, then there's actually a lot of valuable information in there that can give us confidence to be able to underwrite. So, so you use well, data wherever you can find it, and if you use you use the major bureaus. Do you use like alternative data, like social data, anything like that that's non-financial? No, we don't. It's it's just too you know. As a startup, there's only so many things that you can have time and capacity and money to focus on. And while I think that there is incredible signal in some alternative data, we just simply don't do it. We only use. FCRA, Fair Credit Reporting Act compliant data. I think that that is a battle that I hope somebody wins to unlock this ability to use other data, but that's not that's not our battle. Right. Okay. So then tell us about the lend up ladder and how how borrowers, I mean, they can build up their credit, you said, by paying on time. You've also, you know, I've heard you can, you know, educate themselves watching videos. What's how does that work? So the, the lend up ladder is really we first talked about a very safe a safe product. And our goal is to solve somebody's problem. That's why they need emergency credit. Get them the money they need in a safe way, solve their problem, and let them get on with their life. The problem, though, is over 50% of America today is living paycheck to paycheck and doesn't have access to traditional banking products. So they're, they're over half of this of our country is subprime, meaning they don't have access to most traditional banking products. So the lend-up ladder is how we work with repeat customers. We give them a chance to de-risk themselves through positive repayment, through taking our education courses, things that ha- sharing more information, things that help them de-risk themselves. And just like how you and I would pay our credit card on time and we would earn access to a higher line at a lower rate, the same thing with the lend-up ladder. Customers can earn access to more money for longer periods of time at lower rates. Um, and at the top two levels, we have silver, gold, platinum, and prime. They can report to the major credit bureaus. And this is how they can improve their credit score and gain access to more and more products, either with LendUp or beyond LendUp. So, but you're not reporting. You're not reporting to the bureaus at the at the bottom two. Is there what, what's the reason for that? There's twofold. One is the bureaus don't want that data. Okay. Um, the second is it's almost like a training wheels program where in the United States which is different than other countries, it's very easy to have your credit score lowered. Um, now, it's a logarithmic sort of scale, but uh, it, your, your score can go down much easier than it can go up. And so what we don't want to do is create a behavior or create a customer that has the ability to lower their score really, really fast. And so we always think about silver and gold as the sort of training wheels program to get people used to the structure, make sure that they can understand how their behavior is affecting their credit score. That's where education and our notifications and our gamification come in. And then we turn them into credit reporting relationships with a high degree of success. So yeah, let's talk about success. I wanted to get us some sense of the performance of the of these loans and kind of the, the losses that, that, that you receive from your borrowers. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. So we measure success in two ways. The first is financial success. We're not a nonprofit. We're a venture-backed startup, and uh, we have to build profitable growth with, with good fundamentals. Otherwise, uh, we would never be able to raise continually raise venture capital and, and debt capital. And so we think about both the approval rate, the loss rate, the marketing costs, the operational costs through net present value. And what that tells us is whether we are growing profitably or we're growing unprofitably. And by every state and by every channel, 
we hold ourselves accountable to profitable growth. So we have better than a nine-month payback uh, in in all channels in all states uh, overall across our company, and we're growing uh, in a profitable way, which is exciting to see and exciting to hear. Else, we wouldn't be able to continue to really lower interest rates from about half of market to about a 20th of market. We're giving loans to customers that banks should be giving loans to at 19 to 29% APR if we weren't showing good performance through our product and our gamification or education, we would be losing money. And we wouldn't continue to be able to get hundreds of millions of dollars from both equity and debt venture capitalists. They would, they would come in and they wouldn't give us money if we went out trying to fundraise. Right. The other way in which we measure success is through the building of our credit scores of our consumers. And we did a, a study with TransUnion against other customers by similar credit score bands and by people that took out other loans. And what we saw was lend customers have a higher likelihood of having a credit score increase, they have a higher likelihood of having a material credit score increase, and they have a lower likelihood of having their scores go down and go down materially. Okay. Okay, so that's, that sounds good. I want to talk a little bit about um, something you just touched on there, about the, who is funding your loans. Uh, I know, you know when we chatted a month or so ago, you said you just hired a capital markets guy. So I guess who is funding your loans today and what are your plans? Are you, are you looking to start a marketplace? What are your plans there? Yes, we hired uh, a capital markets guy. And uh, it's time as our business is building and growing so fast. We've, we've been growing 15% new customers month on month for almost three years. So we're getting to a substantial size, even though our loan sizes are between $100 and $1,000 and between a week and a year. Uh, and so we're funded now with Victory Park Capital, a great, huge, dedicated, specialty finance lender located in Chicago. And they've been very supportive um, and very aggressive. But as this grows, we just have to uh, diversify our funding sources over time. It, it'll, it's too much of a material risk to the business. So we're looking at exploring what different types of funding mechanisms can be. One in which we still get to participate in the loans because we want to make sure we're aligned with the right incentives. And we give debt providers the ability to make a healthy return based upon their risk level across our different types of products. So we're exploring what that could look like. But given how short duration some of these loans are, whole loan sales, I think, is going to be challenge, if not impossible. Maybe you can help us here. Uh, we'd <laughs> love to structure something in which we can offer the ability to invest in our loan pool in a way that provides a, a great return for investors in a diversified suite. And so we're exploring this stuff right now, and we should follow up on, on how best to do this, given so, your expertise. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that offline. So before I let you go, I wanted to talk about your new product. I mean, I was at Money 2020 uh, recently where you launched the L card. And yes. I, uh, I wanted to just, if you could you know, share a little bit about what that is. Um, it seems like an ambitious endeavor from at first glance, but <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the L card is a proof of concept of our new company uh, called Lend Up Card Services. And what we're trying to do is bring a lot of the principles from our loan product, mainly control and transparency, to the credit card industry. And we built it because we saw that credit cards were not entirely working for the customers we wanted to serve. Uh, and we knew we could change that. So we announced with FIS that we're giving customers for the first time access to the authorization stream, meaning that customers with our credit cards can now control a lot more over how and when and where their cards are used. They're better able to protect themselves from fraud. And at the same time, it just adds another layer to our lend-up ladder where we can let people borrow 
at a lower and lower and lower cost. So you can literally take borrowers now that banks have never and would never be able to work with because of their lack of or bad credit history and progress them through the lend-up ladder. And now if they pay back their balance in full at the end of the month, they have a $0 borrowing cost. So imagine taking somebody from the APRs of the market between 400 and 1,000% APR and bringing them down to a borrowing cost of $0 month to month. Uh, and that was just something that we felt was really important and needed in the market, and, and we had to build it. So these, this is going to be available only to your existing customers. Is that, is that correct? No, this will be available to people along the way. So the, the concept of the lend-up ladder was to first help customers who are only have access to this horrible financial product called a payday loan mm-hmm. and give them the ability to continually de-risk themselves over time. And as they de-risk themselves, we share back the profit with the customer by lowering their interest rates. And this was just a natural extension. But the next iteration of LendUp, as you start thinking about it, doesn't mean that it's only available for LendUp uh, customer, but for customers that are only looking for you know, an alternative to payday loans, they should be able to start at different levels of the lend-up ladder directly. And that's what we're starting to test now, and that's what we're going to start to get into. So the, the L card will be available to the general public, but we're just still finalizing some of the rough edges. We want to have a, a really good sense of control and foundation and make sure that it really works with the consumers before just trying to build it up and build it as fast as possible. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's fascinating. So I guess last question, you know, you, you seem like you've, you've got your core constituency here, which is really a, um, a pretty unique in, in our industry where most people are either going after the prime or, you know, might be a mid prime kind of borrower. What are your, is this, is this where you want to focus? Are you intending to go up the lend it ladder all the way to compete with like a lending club or is this, are you firmly entrenched in sort of the more subprime arena? I think that we are, well, we're, we're definitely squarely focused on the consumers that banks cannot or will not work with. Um, that's where our software works really well. That's where our underwriting works really well. That's the customer that we really know. And we see a lot of opportunity there to build out a suite of products specifically focused on this customer. And our goal is to get them to be able to be a lending club customer or a bank customer. The, the fortunate thing is it's over half of this country. It's a huge market. So getting people to better and better rates and better times so they can then get access, that, that would be a, a huge win. So we're not going to move up market. We'll, we'll stay squarely in the subprime, near prime market. That's where we think we have the biggest opportunity. Okay. Well, best of luck. It's, you, you've, you've, done it. you've done a great job so far, Sasha, and I think uh, it's, it's a fascinating story. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Okay. See ya. Bye. There is a segment of the population that has been you know, horrifically underserved. There's no other way to put it. And uh, I think it's great that a company like LendUp is coming in and serving them in a way that is, that's a positive for everybody. And I think what they're doing, I, I wish them all the best. They have a great idea, a great product. They uh, appear to be doing quite well. And you know, as I said, it's a very ambitious project, their L card. But you can see, uh, you can hear it in Sasha's voice that he is very passionate about what he does. He's passionate about this company and, you know, he is going to build a company that, you know, is going to be one of the leaders, if not the leader in the subprime market. And I, I certainly wish him all the best. 
On that note, I hope you enjoy the show. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact me, uh, peter at lendacademy.com. Also would love to get uh, a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes or Stitcher. Always, um, I read all of the reviews and uh, love to get the feedback. Anyway, on that note, thank you very much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.